Welcome to Parenting Trap. Today, Alex and I discuss how respectful parenting is not permissive parenting. Hey, Alex. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, Thank you. It's good to see you too, Barbara. Awesome. We're uh, Today, I wanted to talk about permissive parenting, and uh, I feel like parents uh, at the park, friends, might see me interact with my kid and think that I'm maybe on the permissive, that I might be a permissive parent, or they might be concerned approaching respectful parenting and hearing what we have to say in the last two episodes, thinking that we're permissive parents. And I I want to address this. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's important to address it early on right now too, before we get a ton of examples, like before we do a bunch more episodes, just so people can listen to this and, and be assured this, that is not what respectful parenting is. Awesome. So why, why are you not, or how are you not a permissive parent? What's the difference between your philosophy and a permissive parenting philosophy? I guess we should back up and say, what is permissive parenting? And uh, I would say permissive parenting would be if you uh, just kind of let your kids run the house, you don't have any limits, you don't hold any limits, and you try and keep them safe as much as possible, but you, you are kind of like, feel like a lot of them are in just survival mode because they don't know what else to do and they don't want to get in these power struggles. So it's like, all right, well, if they're safe and everyone's safe, then I'll deal with all the other. So if the house is a disaster, like that's what, that's just what I'm going to have to deal with because I don't want to get in a fight with my kid. That's kind of how I view mm-hmm. parenting. I agree. Um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I, that's how I view it as well. Basically, um, parents are so afraid of making their child upset that they avoid it at all costs. And that means that the kid is doing everything uh, all the time and whatever they want. And, um, so With the exception of safety things, I think even permissive parents of course. try and keep their kids safe. But that's like, that is it. I mean, the limits they're holding are about safety related issues usually. And that, and then the rest, it's like, I give up. Yes, I agree. So um, that's a good point. I mean, mean, no parent is allowing their kid to just run out into the street on a busy street. Um, They're definitely going to stop their kid. Even the most permissive of parents aren't going to let their child run out into the street. Because that would Um, be... If, if, if a permissive parent allows a child to do something that's dangerous, then that morphs over into neglect, which is abuse. Yes. So no one is advocating for neglect. Neglectful parenting would be abuse. Permissive parenting is still keeping them safe, um, but allowing the kids to run the roost and uh, yes, all that stuff. So we, we are not for that. We are for healthy boundaries. Yes, there you go healthy boundaries. And, um, so I, I identify with everything that you said as far as, um, respectful parenting or sorry, a respectful approach to healthy boundaries and not being permissive. So, um, you kind of asked me specifically and, and, um, I would like to add to that though, that I tend to err on the side of permissiveness on occasion. If, if I'm not quite sure uh, whether or not I want to hold the specific boundary that I'm thinking about holding. So um, let's say my kid is playing with um, 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example, but like my kid's playing with something and I'm not sure that I really want to create the power struggle. Um, I need to, I stop and I really consider whether or not one, I want to have that power struggle and two, whether or not it's something I'm going to allow in the future. I think that's a really important thing. Consistency is so important. So I might think about it for a while and then think, no, this is going to bother me. I'm going to start to get really irritated and I don't want to just rip it out of my kid's hands after five minutes of playing with it and then all of a sudden make it not available. Um, I try to realize that that's going to be something that'll bother me, stop it as early as possible, and then consistently hold that boundary each and every single time. And so actually this reminds me that it is a very common cycle for parents to get into, to err on the side of permissive. I mean, we all, we all are learning every day. So we're all going to be in various points of all of these philosophies at different times. The point is trying to be as consistent as possible and do the inner work and find out how we can do that. Um, but it is common, very common for parents to get trapped in the cycle of being permissive because they don't want to have these power struggles with their kids these fights with these kids until it bothers them enough because it was bothering them before they just didn't want to 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 fight about it and then it gets to a tipping point and then the parents have outbursts and turn more of their authoritarian so then they go authoritarian until it slides back into permissive again and it's like this permissive authoritarian permissive authoritarian because you're dealing with it until it's annoying enough then you lash out you go back around. And that is a awful cycle to get into. Yes. The kids kids don't know when it's going to make them push those boundaries more. They don't know when you're going to snap. So they're going to be like, huh, this is weird. I don't get consistent results from my parents. Let me try testing that limit again. And again, and one of those days you're going to snap. So if you're feeling that poke, you need to recognize in yourself why that poke is bothering you and what you can do about it. Yes. Yeah, and it's not your so child's problem. The fact that it bothers you is not your kid's problem. Your problem is that it bothers you. You need to identify what part of that bothers you and then what you have control over to fix the situation. That's an important yes. That's such a good, you, you stated that so perfectly well because, um, and we can talk about that a little bit later, things that we have control over versus things that we do not have control over because that's um, definitely a part of it. And, uh, but if, for the example of like our kids playing with something and um, I realize it's like irritating, you know, me and I, uh, I know that I'm going to be reaching that point of um, snapping. I try to recognize that well in advance, stop the child and consistently hold that boundary. That thing is now never, ever, ever okay to play with because I know that I'm never going to, you know, the kid's not going to just realize that it's bothering me and stop using it. That's not the way it goes. And I don't want to be. They'll probably look at your, they'll look at your, your reaction and go, that was a weird reaction. Like, does she mind this or not? Will she stop me or not? And then it usually makes them do it more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And then they're, they're, it's like they're, and it can feel like they're intentionally testing us and they are, but not for the reasons that we think they're doing. They're not doing it to make us angry or to irritate us. They're doing it because they are curious about um reactions and actions and 
certainly our SS parents. We want to know how safe they are. They need to know that we are stable people and we have their backs and we can keep them safe. And if once in a while we lose our temper and we yell, then we make them feel unsafe. So them testing us is like, am I safe doing this? I don't know if I am. I'm going to keep trying it. And then when the parent blows up, the message the child gets is I didn't feel safe there. That wasn't safe. Yeah. So we're giving yeah, them the message that we're unstable and we can't keep them safe when we do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of not doing it again in the future, they're going to try again and again and again because they're going to, they want to feel safe and they want to keep testing it. And um, they're just trying to make sense of their world. So, so I have to, I have to bring up an awesome analogy that Robin Enzig from Visible Child brought up a long time ago. And it's really stuck with me. And she said, if you have a bridge and you're on a bridge and that bridge has like 10 feet stone walls and they're super solid, you would walk across that bridge feeling very secure. You could dance across that bridge. You would walk across that bridge, not even worried that you're up high because you know those walls are going to keep you safe. So if you stumble to the edge, you're okay. Um, And this is like keeping limits with kids. When kids are walking through life and they see those stone walls, they're not even, they might test it a little bit. Maybe you'll poke the wall, make sure those some stones aren't crumbling. But once you realize it's solid, you feel safe. When kids walk across that bridge of life and they get to these borders where they're not sure where they stand and where the rules are, if they touch that edge and it's solid, they stop testing it. If they touch that edge and it's like rubber and it leans out like that, then you don't feel very safe. So now you're on a bridge where you don't know when this edge is going to catch you. And I think the kids, any person, the kids especially feel extremely insecure. And that's when you get these testing behaviors because they want to know how safe they are. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, I love that analogy too. I think um, same analogy, similar analogy came up in uh, um, uh, um, No Bad Kids, I think. Uh, by Janet Lansbury also talks about the bridge, specifically the bridge and um, having a good guide on your bridge makes you feel safe. You're going to drive that car across without a second thought. But if there is no guide rails, you need guide rails in life. You know, your children are just trying to get through life as safely as possible. That's what we want too. I mean, we want our kids to be safe. Um, So I I love that analogy as well, but that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I still find it so interesting um, because we don't, we, I don't think any parent gets to that point of um, kind of blowing up at our child and feels good about it. Like we, I don't, I don't even think the most, even the most permissive or authoritarian parent, they don't feel an authoritative parent, but they don't, they don't feel good about exploding at our children. None of us do. So, um, uh, how do we stop from doing that? How do we, how do we stop ourselves from getting to that point, being inconsistent? How do we stop from um, uh, being permissive parents if we feel we're too permissive? How do we stop uh, creating arbitrary rules? I feel like parents uh, sometimes just create arbitrary rules that are so unnecessary. How do we stop ourselves from doing that? Yeah. Uh, So that's a lot of information right there. One about the arbitrary rules, I would say uh, the more you hear no, 
the worse you feel. So in general, it's best practice to try and pick your battles and don't try and fight everything. Because if you try and fight everything and the kid hears no all the time, then they're going to get discouraged and then they're going to push back on everything. So if you can I, uh, identify like what prioritize, I should say, prioritize um, what matters to you and let small stuff go, you're going to be so much happier. Um, then the other piece is to really figure out what's bothering you, be in tune with your own emotions. And if it's just bothering you a little bit, you need to identify what about it bothers you. Then once you do that, you can decide whether or not it's a priority to fix. And then if it is, what fixes can you actually implement because you only have control over so much. And some of these things might be, yes, I'm bothered by it. Yes, I have to do something about it. But the fix might not be change the kid. The fix might be change you, right? A lot of people I've heard say that they have um, a problem with noise levels and their kids are really noisy. And so maybe the solution there isn't trying to get the kids to be quiet, which is a nearly impossible task. It's to get earphones or earplugs that are noise canceling always canceling headphones to, to help with that. So um, yeah. once you, you do this work, you can start thinking about the solutions in a more creative way that are better for everybody. That's so perfect. Yes, I agree. And um, I think so often parents try to make the solution their kids problem change the kid and that's what I love about respectful parenting is our children are just doing what they're doing it's like imagine if your husband or um, partner was constantly annoyed at everything you did and so they always told you to change right like oh I hate the way you put the dishes away can you put them away differently you're making too much noise can you please stop talking you're you know oh, I noticed you ticking can you please stop that and uh, you know I, I could you imagine or oh don't don't mow the lawn that way mow the lawn this way oh my goodness oh my goodness what a horrible horrible <laughs> relationship we would have with our partners if that was the case and you know we have power over our children in the sense that they're so much littler than us and they're looking up to us for everything and when we abuse that by making the change always their problem um we're sending a message that they are uh that at, um, uh, maybe we're annoyed with them. Maybe we're sending the message that, uh, we, uh, are unhappy with the way that they act. We're making, we're gonna, they're gonna be more insecure about interacting with their world around them. And they're gonna test it so much more to figure out which things are okay and which things aren't. So looking to ourselves to make the change really is so, such a good point headphones if your kids I've got an almost two-year-old he shrieks he's going through a shrieking phase and um, I can't you can't stop a kid from screaming and a lot of times any sort of punishments that you might try to um, implement let's say you try and put your kid in timeout right timeout from what from life like I don't know it's so we don't have timeouts in life adults don't get timeouts and um, and it it's like you know if you just kind of let it go, 
I think it'll actually be a short, shorter lived problem. So yeah, shrieking is hard. Uh, kids go through those phases or words that they say words, whether it be bad words, the more we give it power, the more they test it in what circumstances mm-hmm. is it okay? Because they hear us say them or other adults say it. Yeah, it's um, so true. When you, when you um, try and control a behavior that you can't control, it, it often makes it last so much longer. Like, ah, oh, man, I wish you wouldn't do that. Why do you keep doing that? Like that, then the kid is like, I don't, I, you know, just it's interesting to them because um, it's a response that they're getting and it's not aligned with, I love you unconditionally. You're not saying that you don't love them, but to a kid, what they're hearing is, you're annoying me right now. And no one wants to hear you're annoying me, especially a little kid who relies on their parent for everything, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. imagine that you're getting, yeah. you're anno- like you should never say that to your young child or a child. You should never say that. Oh, yeah. so, um, no. so yeah, that's what they're hearing. And, and, um, a lot of kids take that stimulus to, to mean that made me uncomfortable. So I'm going to test that boundary more. Yeah. Um, such a good point. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation um, so much. I, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, the, the thing that you were saying too. Um, so loving unconditionally, I, I mean, again, like the, the really, the partner analogy, again, if we were constantly being corrected, I don't think I would think I'm being loved being constantly corrected. I would be like, gosh, this person is so annoyed by me. Everything yeah, I do is irritating. Like everything I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, and, and that's the thing, like we could leave a partner, we can leave. I mean, not that I'm encouraging people to leave their partners if they find them horribly annoying. I think there's a lot of work we can do with in our relationships with other adults to help that. But, um, I, I do think, um, you know, I, 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 we're adults, we can leave if it gets that bad or children can't leave us. They can't go off and find new parents. They're not going to go. I mean, until they get old enough, maybe, maybe when they turn 18, they might be more happy to leave the house and not come back. Um, if we've built a relationship of constant power struggles and constant making them feel like they annoy us. So, um, I, and that would just, that's not how I, I don't want to build that relationship, that kind of relationship. I don't think any parent wants that. I think that would be like most parents worst nightmares is to think that when their child is old enough to leave, they want to get as far away from their parents as possible and not keep up a relationship with them. I think most parents strive to have a positive relationship with their kids and are confused about how to get there because the messages that we're getting from society are so mixed. And I think some of them are so toxic. Um, and so that's, that's something that I would just love to be able to talk about here and get people to think about like, how amazing would it be if more parents adopted this philosophy and ended up in authentic, loving relationships with their kids, where their kids felt comfortable going to the parent for advice and just to talk, um, I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also I was going to say, you're talking about like a partner nitpicking you um, and you being able to get away from that partner. Uh, I think it's important for us to model healthy relationships. And part of that is modeling a healthy relationship with your kid. 
So if you're nitpicking your kid all the time, then your kid's going to start to feel like they're flawed and might feel shame, but also they'll feel like that is an acceptable way to be in a relationship with someone. And no one, no one wants to be in a relationship where they're being criticized a lot. That sounds terrible. Yeah. We don't want to give them terrible idea that that is something that they should ever accept from anyone or something that they should be doing to anyone. Yes. And they, they will, I mean, um, kids mimic what we do and, uh, the more we do things like that, the more, uh, it'll sink in. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I, and I think again, that doesn't mean I think it's important to say that doesn't mean that we can't also hold certain strict boundaries with our children outside of the realm of things that we say can't control. Um, and, and again, words, whether they're saying bad words or mean words or uh, shrieking or whatever, you know, I think um, those are good examples of things that we need to do to change the situation, whether it be you leave them in a safe spot and you can walk away for a little bit. I'm going to leave you. And it's not, that's different from timeout. You're not saying you have to go and think about what you've done. It's um, my ears need a little bit of a break. I'm going to go get my headphones and you can take two minutes in the bathroom, put in some headphones. And when you get back, uh, you're with that kid. You're not, it's not about them. That's about you saying, I need a little bit of space. Same thing. Um, I think another good boundary to talk about would be like kicking or hitting Um, kids kick, they hit. And I know I don't want my body kicked or hit. So in those circumstances, uh, I would just, I would actually probably block I would say, I'm not going to let you hit me. If they've gotten in a hit, I would say, oh, you know what? I'm going to stand up. I don't want to get hit again. It looks like you're swinging your arm back. Um, and you can actually physically stop them. And it's easier to start the younger your kid is because the older that they get, the harder it's going to be to actually block a physical hit. But the more you do it, when you make that very, very consistent, uh, I think that's when, um, they'll stop, they'll stop trying. They'll say, my mom just can't take that. And that's another thing that I want my kid to take into the future with their future relationships too. Like, and, and it's also why I'm very personally against spanking my kid because I, I don't let my kid hit me. I'm not going to hit my kid and I'm not going to raise them with the idea that a relationship is, um, it can never be based. You can never have, uh, any sort of abuse in a relationship. And, um, and, I, I don't want my kid they, thinking they that will. that's They okay. will imitate their parents. They'll do that. Yeah. So if you hit your kid, you're probably more likely to get hit by your kid when they're they angry with you. Friends because that's the way you deal in their minds. That's the way that you deal with conflict. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's what you're basically modeling for them. So, um, but, and I think that's why it's really important to stop your kid from hitting you, it's okay to stop them. And if you find that yourself, um, like you're getting really upset or you need a moment, um, take time for yourself. There's nothing wrong. It's not about putting the kid in timeout. If you need time for yourself, you can put yourself in a situation to get, catch your breath, think about what's going on and try and, um, try and just figure out how to approach it next. So I wanted to touch on something because, um, I, I've, I've heard this a lot where a lot of the actions that we take are going to be similar to more traditional style parenting. The difference is in the delivery. And this is a a super important distinction to make. 
So I'm going to use the example of like a kid screaming in a restaurant. If you have a kid screaming in a restaurant, I cannot stop that kid from screaming. But what I can do is I can control where that kid is screaming. So I can pick the kid up and say, this is not an appropriate place to scream. I need to take you outside. I'll take them outside, maybe to the car, but somewhere where they can keep screaming and they're not bothering anyone else. Um, the difference between that and a punishment would be, um, I see you're really upset. If you know why they're upset, empathizing with them. I can't let you scream in here. Taking them out, being there for them calmly, but not trying to lecture them or um, create like a lesson. So the other way to do it, maybe it's the same action, maybe the punishment is they have to leave the restaurant, but um, a punishing way to do that would be you're, you're screaming and that's not allowed here. Now we have to leave. Look what you did. Now your behavior made us leave the restaurant and we can't go back in. But the, the tone and the words make all the difference in the world. So although the action might be the same, the delivery is different. And that's so important. Yeah, very well said. And I think um, uh, exactly what you said, the, not only is the difference in the approach, I think it's understanding developmentally the child and where they are, because I think parents try and sometimes um, make it that lesson. You and you did something wrong. You need to fix your screaming, shrieking issue or whatever. And look, now we can't eat dinner. Guilt, guilty, 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 making them feel guilty and shame. And the parents oftentimes don't realize that there's maybe a real good reason why that kid's behaving the way that they are. So what's going on for the kid? What happened earlier in the day? What happened right before they started screaming in the restaurant? And, and that's, that would be the more respectful approach would be trying to get to the bottom of that. And maybe not in the moment of screaming, but especially if you have an older kid, it's a little bit more verbal, like, oh man, that seemed really hard. Maybe we already have an idea of what it is. Um, you know, we were at the park and it was really hard at the park and it was a really hot day. Maybe they had an interactions with a bunch of children that were really hard for them, whatever that might be. They got pushed around a little bit on the playground and um, suddenly they're sitting down and, and those kids aren't around them anymore. And so they're just trying to exert their energy and let us know, ah, I'm so frustrated. That was so hard and I'm hungry and everything's going wrong for me today. Yeah. And we're allowed to have those days. We're allowed to have those days and we're allowed to have those moments where we go, I just want to go scream. Uh, I mean, I personally we're have. Adults. We're adults. So we don't normally end up screaming and crying at a restaurant. We normally take out our aggression other ways, but we have the like impulse control and emotional uh, control to, to, to not do that in that, in that situation. But our kids don't. Yeah. And they're not trying to upset us when they do these things. They're not doing it to upset us. And I've seen this quote a lot in respectful parenting groups. They're not giving us a hard time. They're having a hard time. And if we really keep that in mind, like that action there is not about us. It's about them. And it is a cry for help. Like we need to be there for them. We need to be their rock, their emotional rock. To be their emotional rock, we need to remain calm and show them like we will take them to an appropriate place. 
that they're still loved no matter what they feel. If we do something like, what are you doing? Stop crying or you're not getting dessert or something. Those that just fans the flames. It makes it worse. Now they see us out of control. Yeah. Now no one's in control. Yeah. And the, yeah, exactly. You're out of control. Mom's out of control and I'm not getting desserts and I'm upset about that. But you know, really, I just scare them into submission. Then you're teaching them that you are scary sometimes. Like that's not a good relationship to have. Yes. Yeah. And, and that what they really, what is really bothering them doesn't matter to you, that you don't care. You don't care that they're, they're angry about something or that they had a hard time or they're frustrated or whatever it is. Um, you're kind of teaching them. That's not what matters to you. What matters to, to you is that they are inconvenient and you don't want to hear them, you know, cry anymore or whatever it is. Um, so looking at the time. Yeah, I was just going to say the time and I just got a warning on my headphone that it's got a low battery. So, uh, cause I've got you going through the headphones. So I keep, this was a great ears. episode. This was so much fun. Okay. This was fun. This was, was fun. And I, right. Was this like a half hour? What is this? It must've been, I, I actually don't know. I don't see a time on this thing, but it's got to have been close to a half hour. And, um, I, I feel like we could keep talking about it forever, but maybe we should go ahead and wrap up. I know you got other meetings today. I do. I do. Um, <laughs> yes. I would love to do that. We need to keep putting these out. We're going to keep uh, answering your questions and talking about respectful parenting um, things as we think about them. And as always tell us what you want to hear. And so we can respond to that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, I'm going to add, and I'll put this in the show notes too. Uh, I'll try and add this to the show notes, but we have an email address. So you can always send us an email at questions at parentingtrap.com. And I will put a link in the show notes. And we mentioned a couple of names out there. I'll put those in the show notes too. So people can see who we're talking about. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Alex. And uh, I can't wait to talk again. We'll do it soon. (laughs) Awesome. Bye.